0: Well, guys, Captain Clutch strikes again. I know Marcus Johansson tipped it in, but Justin Williams game five and six to do what he's done in OT, Kind of put the Leafs out of their misery per se, although they weren't uh, miserable by any means. Um, he ended their season. What a season it was, guys! Thoughts on it? I know I'm a bit heartbroken still. I think all of us are, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think um, the game winner was kind of you. Kind of go through um, a roller coaster of emotion because yeah, first you're angry. You know, if you're watching. Watching Marincin, and you're kind of thinking back. You know, Polak was injured, and it might have been him instead of instead of in. And then you're kind of upset because obviously it was a good run, and then and then uh, for it to end the way it did. And, and and then I guess afterward you get like a sense of pride. You know, like like again, everyone had uh, Washington destroying us. You know, a sweep five, but. For them to push it to game six, and not even just that, just have five of the six games be one goal games in overtime, I think it's just a lot to look forward to in the future, and and to know that um a, a team that was thirtieth the year before to come back, make the playoffs, and and have a good challenge against um a President Trophy winning team is is pretty um pretty uh, good good to see. So it hurts, but you know you're definitely looking forward to the future with that one.
2: No, I just think. You know, watching them throughout throughout the series, so many one goal games, and they were pushing the Capitals. But you could see in that, you know, in Game Six that they it was kind of at the point where they pushed Washington to as far as they could, and especially in that overtime, Washington kind of took over, and experience played a big factor in the series, and especially in Game Six, they this was a good learning experience for the team, and it's better that they were to lose a series this way where they're competitive and not going down like everybody expected them to. Yeah. I mean, obviously
3: you kind of, you thought that there was an opportunity where they would have an, where they would win that game when that luck bank or whatever happened that got to Matthews for that insane goal where you're like, Hey, maybe, maybe somebody's smiling on them and and they can actually win this thing. But uh, after that kind of soft goal, but also kind of unlucky goal that that uh, Anderson allowed, it was pretty much a known fact that that uh, the Caps are going to win for me. I mean, and, and overtime it wasn't even close. They, they, I feel like the Leafs didn't even have a shot in the in the period. They were that dominant, and I mean, it just goes to show that that's a team that you have to be to be going deep in playoff runs and it just goes to show how close they are to getting there. Obviously they're not as deep defensively and that is a team that has insane depth on the back end. I mean, I I just couldn't believe that a guy Nate Schmidt was their number 6 defenseman. I thought he was their best defenseman yesterday. And I thought if he didn't come back they had a, they probably could have won that, but you know, it's it was a good learning experience, you know, you got you got to show the rest of the NHL what you're made of and kind of raise expectations for for a fan base that's been beaten down a lot over the last 10 to 15 years and kind of kind of bring them up and bring them back to the glory that we hope that uh, will bring this team a championship in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, they pushed the President's Trophy winning team to six games, but like you guys said earlier there, I think you guys touched on a lot of points. Five of those six games are in overtime, and you can make an argument that the Leafs had a chance to win, quite frankly, all five of those overtime games. So I think um... <laughs> there's a lot of good things to take away here. Before we get into what we learned from the series, though, I think we should go through the MVPs and LVPs of the series, um, at least player-wise. There's a lot of a lot of great things to take away. I mean, we could start with Matthews and Nylander if you guys want to give your thoughts on there, and then you guys could each give another MVP to add to it.
2: You know, I yeah, thought well, you no know, Austin Matthews well, um... <laughs> show why he was the first overall pick. I mean, he got off. Everyone was wondering when he was going to burst onto the scene after the first. Two games of the series, but I mean, he was dominant throughout the whole series, and he had you know He was the first Leaf since Wendell Clark to have goals in four straight games. The way he scored the goals, too. I mean, he. It's it's fitting that he was the guy that scored the Leafs' first goal of the season and the one to score the last goal of the season. Like he meant so much to the Leafs this season, and it's going to be exciting to watch this. Uh, watch this guy. You know, terrorize teens for the next ten to fifteen years.
3: Um, but yeah, I mean that that goal by Matthews is just insane. I, I was I wrote about it on Twitter, and I was thinking to myself, I mean, how many opportunities would it take for me to score a goal like that? Because not only did he he get to toe drag it, but he kind of like lacrosse shot at it, where he carried it on his blade and just threw it up there, and just to crowd on that bounce and avoid that poke check was was ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's kind of sad that that goal isn't a game-winning goal that brought them to Game 7, but it is what it is. And, you know, you saw the admiration that the Caps players had for him. You saw that awesome moment between him and Ovechkin where, you know, he, as Ovechkin said, he went up to him and said, you're a hell of a player and just keep doing what you're going to do because you're great and you're going to be great. Um, you know, that was that was pretty awesome to see for me, arguably one of the top, Five goal scorers in the history of the game is heaping that praise on you so it's not not a bad person to to get some some uh, praise from but you know it was an awesome experience for me and you know i know all the fans uh, enjoyed the run but you know it's on the next year
1: omar give me yeah. another
0: mvp you have
1: ah uh, well I'm never well you can't look anywhere without looking at freddie anderson right um like throughout the whole series he was making saves left and right, you know, keeping keeping them in, especially um those those moments where uh, Washington was coming up and playing really well, Anderson was making point blank saves and keeping the minute. it. Um, there's a whole bunch of times in uh, in game in game six actually, like uh, in earlier in the in the in the game, uh, Ovechkin takes a shot up from the circle from the circles, and after Anderson stops that, um, in the third period, Oshie has like a point blank chance right in front, and Anderson flash flashes a lot of their, um I think another point too. There was a two on one. And then um, it's stopped initially by Riley, but then um, Williams comes up, tries to poke it on the side, and Anderson stops that too. So, so so looking at the fact that like all these games are one goal games, Freddie Anderson is definitely point point blank in center of responsible for why why the Leafs were even able to to hold out this long. So I think he definitely deserves a lot of credit for the success.
0: Yeah, he finished the series with a 9.15 save percentage. That's right around where he was all season. So. I mean, Steady Freddy, right? What more can you say about him in that sense? Dave, who'd you have as an MVP?
2: Okay, if we're not looking at Matthews or Anderson, uh, I would have to give it to... I'm going to go a little off the board, and I'm going to say Morgan Raleigh is another guy that deserves some credit. Because when Roman Polak went down, he had to take some hard minutes. And he may not have been a great defenseman. I thought with the added responsibility that he had, he played really well. And many were questioning whether he could take his game to the next level. And I liked what I saw from him. He played, I mean, him and Jake Garner had to play at, no, I would game was a game. Try to remember the one in Washington where they had game four, two, Game, game, game two, two, two they, had almost they averaged minutes. 27 and 28 minutes
0: a piece. The series like it's ridiculous
2: going, and, and keeping the Washington Capitals pretty much at bay, the whole series Those two deserve a lot of credit, and I think Riley, you know, playing with Hunwick, I mean, Hunwick played really well, too, Uh, but I I liked what Morgan Riley did. I mean, the guy is only 22 years old, going to be 23 this year, and what he was able to do in this series, I was very impressed.
0: Yeah, I mean, both Gardner and Riley, if you want to talk about Riley in particular, they both had a positive course against a very, very tough Capitals team, and when you consider what those numbers mean i know some people aren't a fan of advanced analytics Jake Magic. in particular <laughs> however that basically tells you how well they were playing for the leafs and pushing the puck up and even keeping the puck in their zone and we consider they're playing almost half a game a night 27 28 minutes i mean <laughs> that's unbelievable those are those are top line pairing like numbers it's crazy so that was that was a huge plus for them jake who's your mvp that we haven't already named, at least.
3: Yeah, I mean, outside of the completely obvious, as of of Anderson and Matthews, I was really, really impressed with William Nylander. Um, but, but you know that's also an obvious case. You know, I'd say an underrated, two underrated guys that I would give it to are. I'm gonna have to give it to Zach Hyman. He he was what? he was he was Whoa. all over the place. I mean, are you was, going to heal?
0: I think that's a heel this turn. Like, yeah, this is some WWE stuff right now. I
3: don't I don't think I can do that, but I mean, I'll still forever think he should never play on that first line, but he was immense. I mean, his effort and just the way he was getting after the defenseman and turning pucks over, he played really well. And, you know, you it's it's really easy to see why he's loved by his coaches and his teammates because the guy just is balls to the wall every single every single game and he had a really underrated series, but the other guy I would give it to would be Matt Hunwick. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, he looked like an actual NHL defenseman. Oh. <laughs> I was I was stunned. I was like, "Who is this guy?" And it's it, I was like, "Wow, Polak and Hunwick—they actually—they look pretty decent right now. They actually look like they belong in this series." And and it, it was a—it uh, got to the point for me where I would really have no issue with with Hunwick getting a, a, a one-year deal for next year and him coming back.
0: I was that impressed. We'll get to off-season thoughts later on the podcast, but yeah, I kind of agree with you with that. I mean, he proved his worth again. I, mean, I think he was concussed earlier in the season. We mentioned this on a previous podcast. But down the stretch, you look at the last 15 games leading into the series, he was awesome. Another group, at least a trio, one line in particular, I think that didn't get enough credit, might have been the fourth line. I mean, what they did in Game 2, you could argue they single-handedly helped the Leafs win that game. They combined for six points. Um, they were dependable throughout the entire series. I mean, you can nitpick a third period here, a couple shifts there, where they got hemmed in their own zone hard. But the Leafs were allowed, were able to roll four lines, and I don't think they've been able to do that for years. But it was something that was a really nice strength for them, and it helped Mike Babcock match a lot of matchups on the ice, and it helped him basically go toe-to-toe with Barry Trotz for uh, who they're going to deploy against each other. So I thought they were really underrated as well.
2: Imagine that line with either Ben Smith or Frederick Gauthier centering it as opposed to Brian Boyle going up against the Caps. Even all the defensive
0: was... zone draws Brian Boyle was taking, I mean, without him, who's taking those draws? Because we saw the Bozak line was. We'll, we'll get in the Bozak line in a second, but. Yeah. Spoiler alert, they were awful. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, they, were. They, were, they were. They were pretty bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the LVPs then. Jake, who's your least valuable player during this series? Can
3: it be unanimous that it is like Martin Brinson, obviously? He was terrible. Let's, let's exclude him. Let's exclude him because he's oh, too yeah. easy. I mean, we don't even need to <laughs>
0: say him. He's an hmm.
3: That's kind of tough when you think about it. But it's kind of hard. I, th- I thought a lot of guys played really well. A person who I thought was pretty bad for what I expected of him was actually Mitch Marner, uh, as hard 100%. as that sounds. I-, I wasn't impressed with him at all. I think this was... This was just a wake-up call for all the people that are like, hey, he's going to be okay. He'll dominate. I mean, he got bullied this series. I mean, you could see why people were thinking, all right, maybe maybe he, he can't you know, go in and dominate the league like Patrick Kane and get 85 points a year. He's
1: going to have some weight because he got absolutely dummied
3: this series, I thought
1: at least. Yeah, to build off that point, he's definitely uh to quote Mike Babcock, he's definitely someone's gonna have to have an NHL summer this year. Um, you know, going to this, going to Game Six, he was really, you know, um, besides the first game where obviously he scored the first goal, he was, he didn't really do much, and you know, you thought you're, that it was gonna turn around in the beginning of Game Six because you know he started off with that with that big hit, you know, who was skating well, and then as the game went on, he just he just kind of started to like disappear even been less and less and you know in the past um mitch marner has been able to step up in those like those must win situations if you remember back uh last year in the world juniors when uh, canada was down mitch marner scored two goals in the third period and almost completed the hat trick and unfortunately canada lost but you see um Mike marner uh step up for these big moments so I guess um, looking at his overall play through the whole season, I guess it is di- it's disappointing to see that um, he wasn't able to, to reach that playoff level in quotes that people say. But, you know, obviously like it'll, it'll grow in time and, and he'll probably be better uh, in the next, next go-around.
0: Yeah, to give you guys an idea of how ineffective Marner was, his four course, he was minus 39. That means he barely had the puck.
1: Like what? Lines, it, Whoa,
0: yeah, wow. it was actually the worst. That's it was really the worst bad. at least by a country mile. His like four Corsi, yeah. The next closest guy I think was
3: uh, <laughs> Polzak. Oh, tell us how you really feel, Jake. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but I just, from what I saw, he was very bad.
0: But that, that sounds like it's bad. So I'm guessing,
3: I'm guessing <laughs> that's not a good thing.
0: I mean, some people will look at his performance and go, "Hey, he had four points, just as many as Nylander." But that's not the case at all.
3: Ah, uh, yeah. That's where that's where the eye test comes in the comes into consideration because Nylander. I think was probably one of the best three forwards in the series. Him and Matthews, that line was one of the best lines in the entire first round. Period. Yeah, they were they were incredible. I mean, just just what he can do with the puck is ridiculous, and how he just like uh, they were talking about this with Matthews and Nylander during the broadcast on, on NBC. It probably didn't get it in uh, Canada, but it was Ray Ferraro saying, you know, he's kind of like Zetterberg and, and Datsuk, where. They just are always around the puck. They're so hard to get it off, and they just always steal it from you too, which is a really underrated trait for me. I mean, you know, I'm not a big advanced stats person, but you know, I believe if you can take the puck and you can hold the puck, that's generally a good thing. That proves you're a better player than average if you consistently have the puck. But he was incredible. So, I mean, unless they're getting Eric Carlson back, you're not trading him. I mean, so that's – those. if anybody even adds them to a a trade proposal, just instantly hang up the phone because that's a ridiculous take.
0: Yeah, that'll never happen. That guy's going to be the greatest leaf when it's all said and done. Um, Is there an LVP that you had, Omar, or Dave even? I I feel like Marner's the big one, but I have one more guy in mind, but do you guys have one?
2: I got one. Oh, yeah,
0: I think – oh, yeah, you go ahead, Dave.
2: Omar and I might share this one. Uh, Etobicoke native, Connor Brown. I felt like... Really? I what? Felt, I felt like and he didn't have a terrible series, but I expected a little more from him. In terms of he had... There were opportunities that he had in the games where I think he may have gotten a little bit of like a nervous stick and didn't convert on some opportunities. I, I my expectations for him were a little bit higher than maybe was some people. I've seen what he's done in the past with the Marlies and what he's done in the OHL playoffs, and I, I I expected a little more from him. But I mean, he didn't have a terrible. He wasn't the worst player. I don't think he like Marner. I think was still the guy that I was the most disappointed with. But I had higher expectations for Connor Brown going into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to go a different route. Um, for me, Connor Carrick. I think um, Ooh, that's a
2: good
1: one. You know, over like, even the even the beginning of the series, like in previous podcasts, we were always talking about, you know, like why is Babs like not playing Carrick so much? Like he's only averaging what? Because like, he 12, sucks. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you know after Game Five, uh, I think it was Game Five where he made a mistake in the third period, and then he saw the bench for like a significant amount of time. And I think it's, it's disappointing to see, especially after the Polak injury, he thought that maybe maybe Carrick would be able to um to get a. Uh, get more opportunities and play play more in this play in the in this series but it's it's it sucks you know like you watch his you watch his interviews and his post games and his morning skates and stuff like that and then um and after you hear the way he talks how he you know he sounds coach like disappointing to see um see him not be able to to use his assets to to the best so maybe we'll see, uh, see how he does next year but definitely in this series he was pretty disappointing Well, I still got
0: one more guy to definitely add to that list.
1: Um, He was injured for the first two games at least, but when he came
0: back, he was god-awful. That was Nikita Zaitsev. I understand he's playing against the Capitals' top line. Yeah, Yeah, he he was playing against the Capitals' top line, but when you look at the numbers Jake Gardner put up, and then you look at the numbers Zaitsev put up, you wonder how the hell two guys could be so opposite playing together. I mean, Zaitsev finished the the series with a 44% Corsi. I know Corsi's not everything, but in a series where possession dictated so much to play, it matters a lot. And for him to have some of the boneheaded giveaways that he had, um, I don't know what he was doing in his own end half the time. He, like, the Russian Federation said that you know he wasn't playing because of a concussion for the World Championships. So, whoa! I mean, the Leafs shot that down right away and said that's not the case. But it makes you think. I would. It, right? I mean, it makes yeah. you think, right? So, I don't know. Disclaimer: He was injured again, but he was awful when he played this this series. Yeah, it wasn't good. Okay, so we learned a lot, obviously, from this. Um, This was a huge learning experience for the Leafs, but what were some major takeaways you guys have from this series? Jake, you want to start off? Uh, I think that they're close. They're
3: not that far away. I mean, for me, for my money, that's probably the second-best team in the the league after the first round. From what we saw, I think it's safe to say that Pittsburgh's probably the best team in the league. Um, But, yeah, just they're not far off. I mean, they went – basically uh, 12 rounds with a heavyweight with the caps, you know, a team that's so deep. I mean, just looking at their roster, you can't help but drool. I I wanted like 15 of their players for Christ's sakes. Um, But it just goes to show that, you know, the process is working and they're not far off. And if they can just add some of those pieces and just build it up over time, maybe they can be not like the caps to this point, where they're blowing leads and can never get over the hump but they can be you know a consistent playoff team and a a juggernaut that everyone going into the season is picking to be you know a big time team that can go far.
1: Omar what'd you learn? Uh, One of the things I think if you want to think back to previous um, previous Leafs teams that what everyone hated was the fact that you know they mailed in games or or they didn't care and they and there was no fight back ever and I think one of the consistent things throughout uh, themes for this Leafs team over the whole season is that they never gave up. You know, even you know they 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 um they proved they wanted to prove all the na- all the naysayers wrong. You know, uh, people believed that Freddie Anderson was wasn't going to be a number one goaltender. People believe that uh, the Leafs couldn't play well with six rookies in the opening roster. Uh, people believe that Babs couldn't coach the team up from um, up to a playoff spot when they finished thirtieth uh, year before, and they done all of that. So I think. And I think and yeah, obviously the cliche culture culture is uh, thrown uh, thrown around a lot. But I think right now we're actually witnessing the beginning and the continuation of the Leafs culture. How they're they're not going to give up. A lot of people like, are are saying like, oh, you know, like Colorado made made the playoffs that one year, and, and Calgary made made the playoffs that one year, and look how they finished the next year. I I do not believe for a second that this that this Leafs team next year is going to be is going to be anywhere close to to where, where they are. I actually think that they can actually go beyond to where they got this year. Maybe even a conference final, hopefully round two. And to what Jake said, they're they're a lot closer than I think we all think. So uh, definitely the culture change and the fact that they never give up, up is a positive sign. And if you're a Leafs fan, then enjoy it because this is the future.
2: Yeah. Do you want to add to those thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, they they learn what they have going forward. They know the building pieces they have and what not to what what they don't have and what they don't have right now is I think the defense that doesn't that can't match up exactly what how the Capitals matched up against the Leafs. So you're looking at guys like you know you don't want a guy like Murrenson or Carrick. I would say. You know, I, I we I don't even know what's going to happen with Rowan Polak, but that's going into off season stuff. I think you realize that there's a way for the team to improve, and they found out where they need to improve, and especially you know not being hemmed in their own zone, and you know keeping the keeping the play driving. I mean that Matthews line was dominant with the possession, so keeping with the spirit of driving possession and being consistent and uh, you know moving the puck around the zone cycling that's what they have to do and I think if they can roll that along with the whole team that's what they have to do moving forward. Just to put a bow on all your
0: guys comments there seven of the 19 skaters in this series for the series reliefs were under 23 years old like the best is yet to come for a lot of these guys so when you consider that and you consider that their d was pretty much decimated. I mean, their bottom pairing was garbage. They didn't get anything out of it. They were so young. They hung in there with the Caps and literally outshot them this series. There's just so many positive takeaways from this that it's like, how can you not be optimistic that the team is very close to not only being a juggernaut like Jake was saying, but a Stanley Cup contender. And on top of that, I mean, you look at around the Eastern Conference landscape, the Penguins aren't getting any younger. The Capitals aren't getting any younger. I mean... Crosby and Ovechkin are both about to cross that thirty-year-old mark, and not in the right way. So, fear the Leafs. I mean, it took a huge leap of faith this year by overcommitting. Some would say to youth, but it looks like it's going to pay off and really lead this team into the promised land.
2: No, I definitely agree. Good. I mean, you you look at I, I look at what Chicago did when they were doing their rebuild, and I see a lot of similarities with the Leafs. Now, I'm not saying they're exactly a rep. You know, they're not the exact same team as Chicago. Chicago had know different pieces working for them but i definitely see you know the path that they're going on is very similar and that's that's obviously what you want to see and to see a lot of you know teams realize that you know toronto fans should be should be happy with the quick turn quicker turnaround than some other people expected you can't go wrong with uh with being a little you know being patient with a couple of uh really crappy years and seeing what it's uh, turned up now
1: yeah if you want some uh if you want to a vote of confidence i think uh when the pittsburgh penguins made the playoffs for the first time with crosby on the team they got destroyed by ottawa in the first round and then next year so just saying you know don't take this loss too heavily it's you know everyone everyone you know uh, and everyone needs to experience something like this. Uh, Gordon Miller on Leafs lunch today actually said that he'd rather that he'd rather um not make the playoffs than get swept in the first round. And the Leafs definitely didn't do that, so it's uh it's it's it hurts. But you know it's it's good to take the positive from from a negative, and then you know, I guess we'll just see what this uh, Leafs team is capable of in the future. Well, they're definitely gonna add some parts
0: to this team in the future. I mean, they're going to improve internally and they're going to add externally to improve. So,
3: Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, pretty much all these players are going to get better.
0: <laughs> I yeah. mean,
3: there aren't many guys that are going to get considerably worse from this team right now. And, you know, the rookies are going to be another year older and another year wiser. They're going to hopefully integrate guys like and into the into the team and they're for sure going to be adding some defense. And, I mean, it's, that's just a known fact. There's no way they're going into this this next season with the exact same defense core. It's just going to be really interesting to see who they can go out and ultimately get. But
2: and well, gonna... before
3: we
0: share our thoughts on that, I mean, let's have our last core of the year here for the season at least. Oh, we have to. I I, w- I was <laughs> my
3: favorite say... one. The one oh. that brought so much, so 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 much salt on my timeline.
2: <laughs> 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 All right, we'll, we'll,
3: we'll, oh, that's another thing where you know that that things are going well when the just the hate from other franchises is so high. Oh no, they're not that good.
0: Uh, uh. Oh, yeah, I guess they are. I think it's envy. There's a shit ton oh, of envy right now oh, towards Leaf Nation.
3: Salt, we lick their tears as as uh, as so they say in South Park,
0: <laughs> like Scott Turnerman. <laughs> 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 All right, let's play the last bad quote. This, Mike, do you think then, going forward into next season? Well, I think uh, we've had great growth of our team. Unbelievable action from the start of the year. It's been an exciting year. You know, I was telling someone today, it's uh, if you're not from Toronto and you come to Toronto, you have no idea how spectacular it is. From you people, the media coverage, to the fan base, to the love of the team, it's like nothing you've ever seen. If you're a good player and you like winning, this is the best place you could ever play. I've never seen anything like it. It's it's fantastic. So now we got to have a team to match that opportunity. And so that's what we're going to try to build here over time. But uh, we've got lots of good young kids. I thought our kids were good. So Babcock kind of hints in that, you know, that whole narrative of players might not want to play in Toronto. Maybe a bit overstated, a bit overblown. I mean, We've heard people say time and time again, people don't want to play in Toronto because they're going to go to Robita Island. Take it easy. Um, Look at the offseason, guys. Give me your brief thoughts on where you think this team, what they might go after or the direction, anything that crosses your mind with the offseason here. Jake, you want to start it off? Yeah, uh, I think first of all, just
3: excitement. I mean, you know, going into, going into the offseason, this is the first time in 20 years that you know, you have answers now, first of all. You have who's your number one center, who's your number one winger, who's your number two center, who's your number two winger, Um, who's your number one goalie, and who are your top pair defensemen? I mean, as for all the kicks that Riley got this year, I think it proved that he's a legit number two defenseman, so he's a top pairing guy for me. He was immense. I mean, Gardner was really good too, but... I mean, I think it's just awesome that there's no question. There's not as many question marks now as there were before. I mean, think about three years ago when they had Kessel. You're like, oh, is Bozak a number one center? No, obviously not. I mean, is Reimer the answer? No, obviously not. Is Fennough a number one defenseman? No, obviously not. I mean, they just answered so many questions over the course of a year, and it's just it's going to be nice to not to be have. Uh, a level of certainty within your organization, and just to be able to build on top of that is going to be really exciting. As well as as well as the draft, because it looks like it's going to be bonkers with the
1: amount of trades that could happen there. Yeah, I think um, if you're a player whose team didn't make the playoffs, or you're on a team who got uh, knocked out in the first round, I think you have to be you know watching this Leafs team and seeing. What what they're what they're going to be able to be doing in the future, and kind of think to yourself, hey, you know, I I might want to be part of this. So I think definitely Toronto is starting to look like a, like an attractive team to be a part of. And I think another thing that Leafs fans may have to start getting used to, even though it might might open up some you know bad memories and stuff, is you know trading picks and prospects. I think the, I think this Leafs team is is at that point where they're gonna have to start making you know start making major moves and like Jake said earlier you know they're probably going to be they're probably going to want to add a defenseman or two and you know you can't really defend um, depend sorry on on free agency for that kind of stuff especially if you want like an impact player so I guess we'll see see if there's any any trades going down uh, maybe Lou might call up his old buddy Bob Murray get it get a deal done there but it's interesting. This uh, off season is definitely going to be um, a whole lot different than last year's and, and off seasons of the past as well.
2: Well, Leafs manager will tell you that the season is not over for them yet because the Toronto Marlies are the next team to watch going into the playoffs. I think it's going to be interesting to see what the younger guys, especially the young defensemen, do on that team. Obviously, young defensemen take time to develop, so it will be a stretch to expect you know a guy like Dermott, Nielsen, Valley have to be ready for the team next season but it'll be good to see what they'll do in the playoffs uh, as like you know the main guys going into the playoffs, the Calder cup playoffs and then and then the expansion draft. I mean Jake we talked about it the expansion draft is going to change a lot of teams and I think the Leafs are in a great position to take advantage of some teams that haven't necessarily prepared enough for what's going to come in this expansion draft.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, most of those teams can't
2: prepare like we have. I mean, just think about
3: it. Almost five of our five of our top eight scorers are protected because they're not even eligible. <laughs> I mean, that's not even fair. I feel bad for for Washington or or Anaheim who are going to lose a legitimately really good player off their off their roster. So, but yeah, I mean. You know, another man's another man's uh, downfall is is the rise of another. So, you know, I'm we'll not, definitely.
2: I'm not feeling sorry for anybody. So, but no, I'm. Oh, there's hell. no tears <laughs> shed for the ducks or the caps
3: or the penguins. You know, it's, for my money, I say fuck them. I mean, it's basically us versus everybody else. So, preach.
0: I'm all on board with that sentiment because the Leafs have been the doormat of the league, the butt of so many jokes for so long that now. Sorry, not sorry.
2: That's Colorado's turn now.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they've been pretty bad. Um, For me, I mean, I share a lot of the same thoughts as you guys do with what you echoed there. So not to repeat it, but I'm very curious to see what they do with the defense this offseason. And if they can't, what's the alternative route? Is it maybe pursuing more two-way forwards to help mask some of the deficiencies on D they have until they can find a way to fix that? I mean, there's so many storylines, narratives, questions to sort through this off season that it's going to be really exciting. Like, really, really, really exciting. So we'll definitely be back. Maybe not once a week when it gets into the dead, you know, dog days of the NHL summer. But we'll be back once a week until then. And then whenever we feel it's necessary to be every other week or every third week, we'll definitely let you guys know. But until we get to that point, thank you guys for following us all season, you know, all five listeners we got out there. We appreciate it so much. Um, it was an awesome season. I mean, I think it was one of the most memorable Leaf seasons all four of us have ever experienced. Fair to say, guys.
2: Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I would say since uh, like 2002, since like the Sundin. Uh, yeah,
3: the Ottawa series where they beat Ottawa every fucking series.
2: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't been. It, no, I haven't been so intrigued with what the Leafs are getting, like the future of the team since then. So uh, that that says a lot. That's only, that's 15 years of waiting for something, something positive moving forward with.
1: Yeah, well, good thing Tim Lebik made the good made the right move and hired Shanahan and then he hired Hunter and Dubis and then hired Lou, and then hired Babcock and then draft lottery and then here we go. Yeah, for
3: for all the for all the flack that he gets for wanting to take down the old Stanley Cup photos and stuff like that, I mean, <laughs> he's really helped MLSC kind of from the ashes rise from the ashes this is from our from my bane bane uh from dark Knight approach to it. But I mean, TFC made it a MLS cup final. Um, I know they don't fully own the blue Jays, but the blue Jays back to back ALCS, um, you know, the Raptors Eastern conference final the Leafs winning a draft lottery and going to the playoffs and having arguably one of the top three to five young teams in the entire league moving forward. You know, they did a pretty good job.
0: No arguments with that, man. I mean, to go from worst to the postseason, they have one of the biggest turnarounds in NHL history. We need a good point-wise, and if you want to go even more in-depth, turn a couple of those shootout losses the other way, and hey, where's this team? Right up there in Montreal, I'll compete for the Atlantic. So there's a ton of reason for optimism. As always, guys, thank you for listening. You can follow the show on Facebook or Twitter, at Tip of the Tower. You can go to our site to see more posts from all of us as well about the Leafs, Raptors, anything Toronto sports. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Cranitz. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeMilton12. You can follow Omar on Twitter at OLW93. And you can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you soon.
1: Sparter.